Welcome to North American Egg Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is a visionary leader who has seamlessly navigated the realms of military service, corporate management, and agriculture innovation. Over his 30-year career as a naval officer, he visited strife-torn and underserved regions, which cultivated a profound understanding of agriculture's global significance. This insight, combined with his extensive experience in roles at several corporate giants, culminated in the founding of Harvest Returns. Today, we're going to discuss his fascinating journey and the role in connecting investors with agriculture. From Fort Worth, Texas, I would like to welcome CEO and founder of Harvest Returns, Chris Raleigh. Welcome, Chris, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very glad to be with you, Chrissy. Thanks. So first of all, tell me about your background. Yeah, so I probably, unlike a lot of guests, I didn't grow up in a farm. Um, don't have much of an ag background until, until very recently in my life. My family, on the other hand, has fifth generation Texans and pioneers, and they were in farming and uh, had a had a great grandfather who was a large animal vet. So, so I do have, I guess, some DNA in the, in the farming right. business, but, but myself, no, I grew up in North Dallas, kind of the closest I ever got to uh, a farm was uh, my grandparents had some chickens and I'd go and help with the eggs and things like that. But um, after my military career, uh, so I went to Texas A&M, surrounded myself with a bunch of Aggies, Went in the military, served as a naval officer for uh, both active and reserve for a, a, quite a long time, 30 years, as a matter of fact. Um, I did spend a lot of time traveling um, all around the world. And I, I went to places like you know, Somalia, throughout Africa, Iraq, Afghanistan, where I saw people who were very, very poor, um, who didn't have the blessings that we take for granted, especially in the realm of food, where we can go to a, a you know big supermarket and get fresh produce that shouldn't be available 24-7-365. And, uh, but because we have this global agriculture system, we're able to get it. But travels, I, I became uh, much more interested in, in farming in agriculture. And about 10 years ago, I, I moved out um, back to Texas and in a somewhat rural area. So I drove past these large ranches every day and looked and saw cattle. And I became interested in how people were making money doing that. And as a with some invest, uh, investment background, some technology background, um, decided that at some point I wanted to invest in a farm, but I really didn't have that, have that know-how didn't have enough capital to do it, didn't have that farming background like like I think many farmers today do. They come from multi-generational farming backgrounds. And so I, I kind of went about it backwards. I, I decided to, to start a platform um, where people like me could invest in farms and um, brought on a partner, Austin Manis. He uh, did have some some experience growing up working on his family farms as a youngster, also went to AM. We'd known each other, family, friends for a long time, and he had just gotten out of the military um, not too far before that. So back in 2016, we started putting the pieces together to create this platform to bring together investors with producers. And um, we initially had a focus on exclusively on ag producers. And as we started to kind of dig into it and better understand the ag finance system and agriculture businesses, we saw there was also a gap for um, agribusinesses, people, you know, along the value chain besides the producers and and many of the producers that we worked 
or we work with um their business is is reliant on more vertical integration of what they're doing so it's not just the growing side but it's capturing some of the value-added processes all the way to the direct consumer side and we've and so we begin to develop our knowledge in the space same time we've got to build a, a a stable of investors because we want to fund these deals. So um, we have about 14,000 investors now that are, are registered on the platform and we've raised uh, something like $32 million and in, in invested in a bunch of farms and, and ranches and agribusinesses and even some uh, early stage ag agriculture technology, ag tech startups. And it's been going uh, pretty well. People, at first, we thought we'd have a hard time attracting the, the farmers, but uh, found, we found out that the problem was kind of the opposite side, where it's more of educating investors on why they should invest in agriculture. The, the farmers are coming to us, um, you know, the, the success that we've had in raising capital brings many more uh, producers to the to the table. And, and it just comes down to finding the right deal to put in front of the right investors and, and create sort of a win-win situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And what, what exactly is harvest returns? Um, you explained, you know, how you, how you're built, how you put it together, um, mm -hmm. but explain the mission and the vision uh, mm -hmm. in connecting investors with agriculture. Yeah. So the main reason we want to do this is because we realize that there's a number of small um, mid-sized underserved farmers and producers in, in agriculture businesses. You know, we're not talking about the, Cargills and the the, the ADMs and the the bears, the the smaller the small producers, um, in many cases, first time farmers or maybe multi generational farmers where there was a grandparents to have the land and then maybe it skipped a generation they didn't want anything to do with farming and now they've got grandchildren and that couple has access to land but they don't have any other resources and they want to start. For example, we've done this many times with ranches. Um, they need to grow their herd. They need to buy the infrastructure um, to get to some kind of scale to make money. So the mission is is connect those types of folks um, with investors who want to diversify their portfolio, who want to better connect to agriculture and the food system. And you know the way we do that is by essentially putting these two together. Farmers come to us. They, they've got a business plan. They've got a, a team in place. They've got a vision for their own farm, how they want to grow it or expand it or even start it. And then we go through all the financial details, do a lot of due diligence, make sort of underwrite the deal is, is one way to put it. And then we put it in front of our investors and they decide how much they're going to invest. And most of our investors are, are fairly high net people. They, the smallest investments we do are $5,000 and that can range all the way up to you know half million dollars. We pool those checks together and then we write a larger check to the farmers and that that check may range from a few hundred thousand dollars to a few million dollars and we've done debt, we've done equity, so different structures of deals whatever tends to work out best between the, the farmers and the investors. Yeah, interesting. And uh, I'm intrigued by your your experience in your military career. So, how did that um, how did that career path lead you to appreciate the significance of farming, agriculture, and investing, and put it together? Yeah, um, you know, a couple of different aspects. One, um, when you're in the military, you work with a lot of different types of people. Um, depending on what your job is, you work with you know a team. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you get to recognize high-performing teams and, and teams that need leadership. I was fortunate that I, I worked with some amazing teams and had some amazing leaders that I was able to work for. So you, you get these team dynamics and, you know, of course we have that on our own team and our small team at Harvest Returns. And we see that in some of the producers we work with where they've got, um, you know, maybe a husband and wife, maybe children involved, maybe, you know, multi-generational. And, and then, you know, all the other people that are using the CPAs and uh, lawyers and uh, um, their vendors. And, and we see what that team system looks like. The other aspect that uh, has benefited me in this job of my military um, career was was management of risk. So when we talk about um, risk in, in farming and investing, there's there's kind of a gap. Um, it, it's important for both sides of that equation to understand the risk. So for the farmer, they they know their general risk. You know they know they've got some maybe they're in commodities, maybe there's market risk. You know price of cattle is here, price of cattle moves up and down and and where we are in that market cycle obviously they have weather risk they've got to contend with and and pests and um those sorts of things that that are non-stop problems and and challenges for farmers and they have to understand how to how to mitigate those risks you know whether they're doing hedging or whether they're they've got crop insurance or those sorts of things but there's other from an investor perspective those are it's important to under, understand what are those agriculture specific risks, but there's also risks like financing and execution, what we call execution risks. So person comes to me with a business plan. And one of the things that we're looking at um, to is how what their track record is, how they can, how well they can do what they say they're going to do. So they may have a really nice, beautiful business plan. And um they they get it out in front of our investors and it looks really good and it turns out they just are not capable of executing that business plan that happens so you're trying to look at the whole person and the whole team and understanding that they're capable of doing what they say they're doing on the other hand sometimes we see really amazing um experienced producers and they know what they're doing they 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 know their numbers they know that but they don't know how to present it so they don't know how to put that into a, a format that an investor might be comfortable with so we can we can help with that as well and again we're trying to create a situation where um everyone understands the risk everyone acknowledges the risk and and identifying those risks and then figures figuring out how to mitigate that and and you know in the military i experience jumping out of planes and stuff blowing up and war zones and helicopter operations and small boats and all those things that are very um risky operations so we we got really good at developing or at identifying understanding risk and looking at the measures to mitigate them wow fascinating so how do you assess the potential of the farm or agriculture project you you're seeing it on paper but but what are those steps you're going through yeah i mean it it comes down to we put a lot of um yeah the numbers are very important and the way the numbers are presented and, and making sure that the producer has confidence in their numbers and knows how they're going to get there. Um, but the producers themselves, you know, part of our we're doing typical things that, that a bank might do in underwriting, like like, you know, background checks and things like that. But we see in the venture capital world, this is there's this thing called pattern recognition. And so you 
you see a deal over and over and over again. And even though all of our deals are very unique and, you know, the types of operations we do are, are vary quite a bit, you start to see these patterns and the way people talk to you and the way that they present themselves. And, and you start to see after we, and we have learned some painful mistakes and expensive mistakes. So, but we see a lot of deals. We probably see 30, 30 projects come in front of us every month. And so we start to see patterns of, oh, this could be a successful deal. And this is probably not going to work. Or maybe this is really, um, there's a lot of potential in this. So we'll spend some time, especially if it's a young farmer, uh, we'll, we'll do some mentoring and then we'll tell them to come back and, you know, give them a little bit of homework and then they may come back in three months or three years even we've seen people like put that much work into their business plans they come back to us and then they'll have a successful um raise on the platform and and be able to raise the capital they need wow yeah that's that's a really great option so i guess those are some of the reasons why uh, a farmer would go to you instead of to a bank what are some other reasons yeah so banks uh, obviously the banking industry is is very highly regulated um, and there's some good reasons for that. There's some bad reasons for that. And part of it is because that's just what's happened over time as we've had these economic cycles. Um, not a, not a lot of it have to do with agriculture, but these regulations still impact the ag credit unions and, and, and the ag financing. And those regulations put a lot of limits, left and right limits on what a, what a bank can do. And so if you're a producer and you go to a bank and if you don't, you're just one centimeter out of those limits, you're probably not going to get your, your loan funded. Um, we, we have, obviously we have regulations. We, we have securities and exchange commission regulations. We got to apply, comply with the IRS and, um, a bunch of other regulations, but our, because we're creative in the way we do deals, our, our limits are way out here. They're not, they're not like this. So we can, and we also have a lot of tools in our our toolkit that we can do debt and we can do equity and we can combine the two and we can bring other investors in and we can work with, you know, we're, we're trying to get to a yes. I think most banks tend to get to a no with farmers. Yeah. We're trying to get to a yes. Wow. Um, and, and again, that's not because those banks, those bankers aren't high integrity and trying to do what they are. They just got a lot of restraints on the banking system that we don't have. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And do you have any success stories you can you can share about a producer that's that's really just rocked it? Yeah, um, well, you know, we, we call these things offering verticals. So we have um, sort of specialties. We do we do just about anything except for row crops. But we're we're starting to have some conversations with row crops. And the yeah. reason we don't really do row crops is because that's a very mature. Um, the, the finance system for ag is very mature because this is the biggest industry. So if you're a yeah. corn guy or a soy guy or whatever, there's plenty of ways you can get capital. And, and if you're a regenerative rancher, um, and you present this kind of interesting business plan that may not get funded. So some of the success stories revolve around those, those regenerative farmers. There's a company out in the West coast called perennial pastures. Um, guy named Kevin Muno he used to be a, a baseball professional baseball player and then decided he wanted to become a rancher. And he is, he's, uh, ranching on leased government land and he continues to just do very, very well. He's created this really interesting direct consumer brand, perennial pastures. And, you know, a lot of the producers that we work with that are really successful are doing something just a little different. You know, they're not like, Hey, I'm a cow calf person. Okay. Well, there's a lot of cow calf people. What makes you 
different. Um, so perennial pastures, many of our cattle producers are doing really, really well. Um, the, the farms that that are that are focusing on the consumer and they're they see how their their product is not just one um you know it's not just whoever's buying their products it's not just the the processor or the packer it's it's all the way to the consumer the, the people that understand that tend to do better than the people that are just like hey i just need to make another sale to you know up the value chain you know one level up right. um because that having that full knowledge of the food system helps them um produce better products that are responsive to consumer needs. And that's really what drives all this is what are the, what do the consumers want right now? Yeah. Yeah. So just like in, in any industry across the nation or across the world, right? Yeah. Just because we're the oldest, the oldest industry <laughs> doesn't mm -hmm. mean that there's not room for more ideas and, and for sure. being smart about it. Yeah. That's cool. So when you first tried to invest in your own farm, what kind of challenges did you come across? Not, you know, not having that experience from a child. Yeah. So just about everything. Yeah. I, first of all, I, I didn't know enough about the industry to know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, what, what type of, I, I knew I didn't have those skills. You know, if you threw, threw a bunch of uh, heifers in front of me, I would have no idea, you know, how to take care of them. Um, or if it was, you know, put me in a, half million dollar combine or something i would that's probably cheap these days but a, a combine a, you know i wouldn't know know where to start you know the entire because i just didn't have that that education or that experience um that upbringing so knowledge was the biggest probably issue right like i said the second was capital once i started to learn about agriculture you see that there's some scale mm -hmm. you know there's hobby farmers and then there's business people right and there, there's a lot of great successful hobby farmers that are out there and they're growing food that, you know, they feed their family and they go to a farmer's market on Saturday and they sell a little bit and they make a little bit of money, but they've got, you know, they're each got a job in town. Right. So that's, that's kind of where we put the hobby farmers. And then there's the larger scale to get to the scale that, that can really be profitable and more for us not only probable but to be able to you know pay some sort of return to our investors that's a that's a different situation so for me um i didn't have those things i didn't have the knowledge didn't have the upfront capital had some you know i was very blessed to have a successful real estate business and that made some money that i used to fund this company but had i gone and all in and bought a farm i would have a lot of risk in that single farm so what we decided to do was build something that we're People could invest in this asset class and invest smaller amounts and spread their risk around. So can invest in a cattle operation, can invest in a vineyard, can invest a little bit in a, you know, in an orchard, you know, whatever it is, and, and spread that your money around $5,000, $15,000 and kind of create a portfolio in agriculture that um, puts you does a lot of work, does a lot of good work with your money. So you're, you're helping these farmers start and your money with a lot of other people's money is doing really amazing things on some of these farms. And, it, you know, it's creating jobs, it's creating healthy food. It's, um, it's keeping people in the business of farming. So it's keeping that land in the family. There, there's a, so many positives to what we do. Um, 
or at least what what we're trying to do to to kind of help agriculture and be you know make people think a little differently both on the farming side and the investing side is like you don't just have to go to the it, you know your only option is not that credit union that your your father went to down the road it's you know, you've got a pool of the entire of investors all over the country that can help you meet your your goals and, and grow in your operation yeah i love that and uh in the industry, we talk a lot about how do we reach consumer. This is kind of a way for consumers to reach us. So I really, I really like this. And and uh, you know, the the uh, marketing of that could really um, help reach those consumers too, and and build that understanding of where their food comes from. I, I think this is this is just really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, the way we for us, the way we do that is, is education. Yeah. Um, you know, on both sides, but but on the investor side, making them aware there's this whole world of, of farming that they take for granted. They don't know, you know, they think their chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Right. <laughs> Whatever the you know the extreme anecdote you want to use is there there's a very strong disconnect in, in modern society between producers and, and the consumers. And we want to kind of close that gap. And one way to do that is to give you a vested interest by putting your money where your mouth is, literally. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And you have an extensive experience uh, in corporate management roles. So how has that background influenced your approach to ag investment? Yeah, um, you know, some of it goes to that risk management piece and and knowing, you know, how to finance and how to read a business plan and how to, you know, read a profit and loss statement and those sorts of things and 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 understand numbers. Because um, most of my background was in yeah, marketing slash finance. So, so that's clearly a big, big part of it is, is just to be able to look at a business plan and make a very quick determination on like, okay, is there, is there some there, there? Um, and then, as I said, that kind of combined with being able to evaluate the people in the, in the producer situation and, and, and see if this is a person with integrity, there's a person that knows how to execute. There's a person who's got a very not just an idea, but a way to get to their, to make their vision happen. And what amazes me, you know, constantly is just the people that come to us and they, and they have all those, you know, you would think that they, they, they are maybe a rare breed and, and, but the people that find us seem to be like, oh, there's some really solid people. We do some really amazing things and things you would never even think about it, a lot of, you know, there's a whole sustainability regen and whatever the buzzword is of the day. And, and and we like that and our investors like that, but you know, it's beyond, it's beyond just that. It's, 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 it's keeping agriculture uh, as a viable industry. And, and that's what really drives and motivates us. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so could you elaborate more on your role as angel investor in early stage agriculture, uh, food companies, and what do you seek in these startups since there's nothing that you can look behind? Yeah. So, so in a lot of, it's the same thing. Um, some of those additional parts of risk come into place, the execution risk. So is this a team? Maybe this is, maybe they're young, um, but have they done anything in their lives that leads me to believe that they can do what they say they're doing with this, right. this company? Um is there a consumer demand for what they're doing? So we've seen some really interesting ideas and some of those ideas we put in front of our investors and the investors just didn't sort of buy off on it because it 
what they were even though what they were doing was a unique idea it didn't seem like something that farmers actually were going to use and with agriculture technology you know ag is a very conservative industry right we all know that so if you're putting something new in front of that producer um you know you, you've got kind of an uphill climb because there's a lot of tradition there well it's been working for it's been working for my family for all these years so why should i change there, there's that aspect or you know the this guy down the road he's been doing it like this and it's been working for me so why should i change so that's that's a if you're selling if you're an ag tech company you're trying to sell into this industry that that's kind of an uphill climb um but there's also you've got to pr prove why so return on investment and there's just kind of a rule of thumb if i'm going to sell you this widget what's my return on investment going to be you know for your whether it's your profitability your yield um labor savings whatever it is should be like a three to one sort of sort of return on investment so if i sell you a widget for a hundred dollars an acre you better be making three hundred dollars an acre um on whatever that technology is so ag technology it had you know it right now and as of summer of of 2023 that the demand there has constrained from the investment side and we've still seen a lot of interest from our folks because we're isolated from the silicon valley vc world mm -hmm. which traditionally drives all that agriculture technology but because we have investors of all walks of life all over the country they're sort of insulated from the, whatever the ups and down although you know they they will also um they don't want to lose money nobody wants to lose money when you invest so they want to find these companies these early stage companies that um have a very strong chance of getting what where they say they're going to get yeah that's that's awesome and and what trends or innovations are you observing in ag and ag tech that that are exciting yeah, I mean, I, I say on the ag side, on our production side, definitely we see more and more people saying they're doing regenerative agriculture, whatever that means to you or, or or us or them or a consumer. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. It's not very well defined. There's no, it's not like you know, certified USDA organic. There's not a definition or a certification yet, but people think that that's a good thing. And, and we tend to agree. I mean, making... For us, especially working with some of the cattle folks that are doing regen grazing, holistic grazing, what, what, however you want to call it, you know, it's taking care of the land and making the land better. We, unfortunately, you know, there, there's there's an urban rural divide that's always been there and continues to grow, right? And most of the producers in, are in rural areas, most of the consumers are in urban areas, and that's just the way it is. So closing that divide. Um, is important so we see um but these con urban consumers they hear things like regenerative and climate and these sorts of things and they think oh that must be good here i'm going to invest in that i'm going to eat that label of food i'm going to you know those sorts of things so consume the producers are sort of reacting to that some of them um some of them are they believe firmly in what they're doing and, and those are really the people we want to we want to work with on that side on the technology side, you know, labor is always the big issue these days. You know, it started with COVID. It started for a long time ago, but COVID made it worse. Um, so anything that saves labor is is probably technology that does that, and that uh, and that can increase the bottom bottom line. 
is important. So whether that's robotics or precision agriculture um, or anything that that takes, you know, this is a hard one because because agriculture is a hands-on. No matter no matter what you do, you're you're going to be working with your hands. You're going to be out in the fields, even if you have robots. Somebody's got to fix the robots. Somebody's got to put the robot in place. Somebody's, you know, all those sorts of things. So it's going to change. But it's still going to be a very hands-on business, which is which is important. So, so getting people to recognize that 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 technology is not going to magically make farming easy. We work with some indoor farmers, and you know that was sort of we, we've had some success stories and some not success stories. But some of the not success stories were people that thought, "Oh, this is going to be easy. I'm inside. Yeah, you're away from the elements, but hey, you're still." constantly working handling crops and it's just a different sort of situation so people need to understand that technology is not going to save them from hard work um, in most cases and it's just going to change the nature of the work yeah great points and then what about the future what's your vision yeah so i personally would like to see less government um intrusion in agriculture markets and less distortion of those markets Mm -hmm. um you know producers should grow what people want and this is not to disparage corn growers who are producing great products um but that that market is very very distorted by usda and policies and lobbies and things like that you know to make people grow fuel that really nobody wants you know ethanol i'm sure there's people that want ethanol and i'm probably gonna get in trouble but people that drive cars don't want ethanol in their gas tanks it's just not it's not good for so and and meanwhile all that capital is going to the wrong place so so we're capitalists so we believe in the free flow of capital that's what's made this country great that's what's grown this company made this country you know one of the things that's made this country the best in the world and whenever you incentivize people to do things that aren't driven by the market, you mess up the system. And so that's what, so I'd like to see less government incentives to do things that are not market driven. Um, that's just, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can get behind you on that. That That's mm-hmm. great. Great comments there. And um, what message or advice would you give to individuals who are considering investing in ag, uh, maybe retire, even retirees that just want to give back? Um, or, or starting their own agribusiness. What's your advice? Yeah. I mean, we have many of our investors are retired farmers or former farmers are still in the business. We, we were talking to a large animal vet, um, who's one of our great investors. I would say, but if you're a new investor, especially, you don't understand agriculture, kind of like where I was a decade ago, start to understand it. Um, you know, you are welcome to visit any of our producers. That's part of the thing. If you invest on the platform, you know, we want you to go out and visit the farm. Uh, our producers, they want to talk to the investor investors as well. So get out there and visit some farms. Um, because once you see it, what it what it's like in real life, it's obviously a, a much more real experience. And, and it also helps you understand, you know, how challenging this business can be. So I'd get out there and educate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, where can people find you? So harvestreturns.com, start on the website, but of course we've got social media. We've got some great social media folks and we're on all the, the Instas and the 
Twitter X and Facebook and everything else. But, uh, and I do a lot of these podcasts. I love doing podcasts. And so not only ag centric podcasts, but investor centric podcast. And one of the ways we find a lot of our investors is, is those podcasts. So you can look, look us up on investor podcast. Awesome. And I have one last question for you. Why do you serve the industry this way? And what is it that you're most passionate about in doing this? Yeah, for us, it's just keeping, you know, agriculture is the oldest and most important industry. It's the industry that touches every single person on earth. You know, everyone has to eat. So we have to keep that viable and we have to keep that, especially here in the United States. Um, we have to keep producers profitable. If you look at our, you know, our little mission statement and things, it's about, you know, agriculture can be done profitably and it should be done profitably. And then that benefits both our investors and the producers. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Chrissy. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, the links are provided in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, Telegram channels. The podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, uh, Listen Notes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can always go to NorthAmericanEgg.com to get all of the information. And if you like the episode, I would love it if you shared it. Have a great day. Did you know that at NorthAmericanAg.com, we are committed to providing valuable resources for farms and agribusiness. Find your next podcast in the Best of Ag podcast library, delve into our on-demand webinar series, check out the latest in ag news, or treat yourself to a new hoodie or tea from our swag shop. Head over to our subscribe page to join our community and be the first to know about what's happening in the industry. North American Ag provides daily ag news and weekly podcasts covering ag tech, ag policy, new products, family, and faith. North American Ag gives farm families and ag professionals insight into what's happening in agriculture throughout North America. Ditch the mainstream media. Join North American Ag. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach, and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m., to register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.